Well, good afternoon. In these afternoon topics, we were given the freedom to uh, choose whatever we felt led to to bring, and uh, so I chose to bring the topic of fruit bearing. It's a very important topic in the Bible. Jesus had a lot to say about that, bearing fruit, and like probably most of the topics this week, it's not something that you've not heard before. So I'm sure that a lot of what I say will not be new to you. But as we all know, we tend to be leaky vessels and forget and need to be reminded. And, and God's word is always good to hear the second time or, or more. So before we get started, let's rise for prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we come to you in prayer this afternoon and, and acknowledge that this is your work. Lord, we're called to, to instruct, to teach, to preach, to exhort from the word. Thank you for your word, Lord. It's your word. Dear Lord, you left these words for us. Many of these came straight from your mouth, and the rest came from men that were spirit-led and and spirit-guided, Father, and we have them here in the Bible to, to use for, for, uh, for instruction and for the guide of our life. Lord, and I pray for help this afternoon to instruct and uh, encourage and exhort in this matter of fruit-bearing. Lord, we know you said, to whom much is given shall much be required, and Lord, that includes, I'm sure, all of us here today. So, Lord, I pray that we would be strengthened by your Spirit to be able to bear fruit and uh, in such a way, Lord, that would be pleasing and God-honoring and uh, rewarding in the end, Lord. So help us, Lord. Help us to learn. Open my, my, loose my tongue. Help me to Say the things that you would have me to say, Lord, and help the students to remember those things that are important for them to remember. God, we just commit this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I hope I can give this message as an encouragement to you this afternoon and also as a challenge, as an encouragement because I believe many of you are already bearing fruit in, in, a, in a very good way. I believe that. Many of you have been here numerous times and also to other Bible schools and, and you've, you've got a grip on the Christian life that, that is good and I want to bless you and encourage you in that. I didn't have that opportunity. I really didn't. So I hope you as a young person will take, take this as a very special and precious thing in your life. And you will often look back to this time and times of Bible school and, uh, and remember things that you were taught. So appreciate it yesterday, Jonathan, as he encouraged you to think about the song, the words you're singing, especially that prayer song. Um, Come Gracious Spirit, I believe. Is that one? I'm thinking the right song. Just very good. I so appreciated that. And, and I got this picture of you all up here, up here singing these beautiful words. And, and, uh, and not just that song, but all the songs. And, and I got this, this, this picture of you, of these words coming back to you in the days and weeks and months and years to come. And... And uh, empowering you to, uh, to be faithful, to fight the good fight, 
whatever the message might be in those songs. So that was a real blessing. So I hope to be a source of encouragement with this message this afternoon, but also a challenge because in this area of fruit bearing, bearing fruit, and you know, I'm sure most of you know how that works in, in, in nature. Uh, we always need to, we always like to see more fruit from a tree, right? So while the tree may be doing well, it may be bearing fruit, the husbandman or the gardener or the one that takes care of the trees would like to see more fruit or better fruit. So he, he does his thing to the tree to make it bear more fruit. So I give them this message as a challenge for you to bear more fruit. You think you can do that? Bear more fruit. Jesus said, every branch that beareth fruit, and I hope we're all doing that, Every branch that beareth fruit, he does what? He purges it. That it may bring forth what? More fruit. So I I just want you to imagine Jesus speaking these words. Every branch that beareth fruit... So you look back in your life and, and your journey and, and, and the process that God brought you through. And probably on Saturday, if you're up here sharing testimony, we would hear things like this. You know, I'm no, I know I'm not at today where I once was. I'm thankful God brought me to this place. And you can look in, in your life at things that you perhaps once struggled with that you don't struggle with anymore. You've... You, you, you've gotten victorious in those areas, and you're, you're moving forward, and that's great. But then he says, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And that word purge is not quite like we would use it today. When we think of the word purge, we think of warm, soapy water. Washing something that is dirty, you purge it, you make it clean. That's not the picture that this word gives at all. It's a little more painful than that. Now, if you get soap into the wrong place, that can burn and that can hurt. But this word purge is a little more painful. It means prune, and we would probably know what that means. Let me give you a definition of prune. It means to lop or cut off the superfluous branches of a tree to make them bear better fruit or grow higher or give them a more handsome and regular appearance. Now, the word superfluous is also not a common word that we use, but it simply means more than is sufficient. Or unnecessary or useless. So, to prune means to cut off that which is more than sufficient. Or unnecessary in your life. Or, worse yet, useless. And we know how those pruning shears work. They, 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 they cut off the part that is not needed or just makes the tree bushy and it's, it's more than sufficient. It actually hinders the tree from bearing fruit. You, you get rid of that. You get rid of the unnecessary and you get rid of the useless. And in doing so, um, the tree at least... Right away, it doesn't look so nice. Oftentimes, it bleeds a little bit right there where you cut it. And I'm sure if the tree could talk, he would say it hurts. And I don't know if you ever thought of this either, but have you ever considered the fact that older trees usually take a lot more pruning than young trees? So for you that are desiring to be an old, mature Christian, get ready. You know, a young tree, a new tree, 
couple years old, we just take a few little branches off and it hardly looks any difference when, you, when, when you're done with it. Pretty much the same. But take one of those big old apple trees that are 25 feet tall and got branches this big and, and you kind of left it go too long and now you have to kind of cut, you want to get it back down. And so you're cutting big branches off and it takes a, a big tool, it takes a big saw maybe, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a lot different than, than a young tree. And it's probably often more painful. But, but God takes everything away that doesn't look like Jesus. That's, that's what the husbandman is aiming for. To take those unnecessary things off that, while they may make the tree look a little better, it's in and of itself, it's, it doesn't look like Jesus. And like the sculpture who was sculpturing a certain thing, and, and, uh, and they asked him, how does he do it? And how do, you, how do you know where to chip? He says, you just take everything away that doesn't look what you're making. And that's what God does in your and my life. He takes everything away that doesn't look like Jesus. doesn't mean that we don't have some fruit. But he takes everything away that doesn't look like Jesus. He takes the unnecessary things away. Just the bare minimum. Just, just Jesus. Isaiah says he had, he had no form nor comeliness. He wasn't impressive to look at. You know, he wasn't this super, super man that could impress people with his body, with his body or with his uh, physical features. But he had something about him that attracted people. Attracted sinners. And that's what God wants, I'm sure, in your and my life. So he goes to work and he starts pruning and cutting those things away that don't look like Jesus. You don't need a college education to understand that, do you? You just study the life of Christ and, and, and set him up beside your life. And, and when we do something that we know we shouldn't do, and we know there's things there that we know shouldn't be there, and we give the Lord the right to just take out of our life, my life, whatever, whatever he wants to take out. This is not the first Bible school for most of you. I think one-third of you are here the first time, and I don't know if that's your first Bible school, but... Just think of all the messages that you've heard in your lifetime. You know a lot of things. You know a lot of things. You know, I'm sure, pretty well what the Christian should look like. And yes, the Christian life is difficult. And yes, many times we, aren't, we are like, Lord, what's, what's the right way? Or, Lord, why am I struggling so much? And, 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 and we wrestle with these things. But deep down, we probably pretty well know how things should be. And I think for most of us here, much has been given to us. Very, very much. Not just this week. But probably most of you grew up in a church sitting on your parents' lap and singing the songs and hearing the messages. And so much has been given to you. Very, very, very much. And so of you, Jesus said, shall much be required. It's not my words. Young sisters, of you shall much be required. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. Who can finish the rest of the verse? To him it is sin. To 
To whom much is given of him shall much be required. To whom men have committed much of him will they ask the more or require the more. I didn't put that word in there. You got quite a few hours of teaching just in this week alone. So you are very, very blessed, but also very, very responsible. The first point I want to look at in this matter of fruit bearing is the importance of fruit bearing. It's really not an option according to the words of Jesus. It's so important that all of us are bearing fruit. And you know what the scripture says about being hearers only. That's not even in my notes. That just came to me. Hearers only and not doers of the word. It can have a hardening effect on us. And so, so Jesus, I can tell you the will of God. This is one thing that I can tell you the will of God. Jesus would have you take the things you heard this week and bear fruit with these things in your lives. I know that it's the will of God. It is so important. We shouldn't be looking around and think, well, I'm bearing, you know, I'm further ahead than so-and-so, or, or I just can never live up to so-and-so. But, you know, Jesus, the Bible says, if we compare ourselves among ourselves, it's not wise. We should just sit here this afternoon and ask ourselves these questions. Am I bearing fruit? Am I being fruitful? I'm a Christian. I I invited Jesus, the son of the living God. In him was life. In him is no darkness at all. And I invited him into my life. Am Am I bearing fruit? And, and if I am bearing fruit, do I have a heart to bear more fruit? You know, we ought to have this holy dissatisfaction about our life. That as we look in Jesus, at Jesus, Lord, oh, to be like thee. Oh, to be more like thee. And never, never, never be satisfied where we're at. And that's, you know, I don't think we need to be living half under condemnation all the time, not at all. But that we would be concerned that we are moving forward, that we are bearing fruit. So you can turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. Number one, the importance of fruit bearing. Very familiar words here in John 15, verse 1 through 6. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. That it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch, that is us, cannot bear fruit of itself. Except ye abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth. Say the next word. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, He is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. That's a very sobering verse. That last one. But let's go back and consider in verse one. Jesus is the true vine and his father, God, is the husbandman. That struck me. 
So it's the Father who comes to your and my life and kind of lifts up the leaves and, and, and checks for fruit. It's God. Jesus is the vine. His Father is the husbandman. So it's God who comes looking for fruit. You, you all know the story there where, where Jesus was walked up to that sycamore tree and he was hungry and it was nice and full of leaves and he looked at it and no fruit and he, and he cursed it. And it withered away in short order of time there. But here he says his father is the fruit checker. He is the husbandman. He is the one who walks around in the vineyard of our life and checks for fruit. Imagine God. God. So he's, you're here this week. You've heard many powerful messages. And if your heart didn't pick up its momentum a little bit in some of those messages, I don't know. Something must be wrong. Because all of us, I think, you know, felt touched by the Spirit of God, right? At one time or another this week. So that was God here, and he's speaking to you. And he's taking the words from this book through the mouth of the preacher, putting them into your heart, and he's giving you something to take away. He's giving you a truth. It is from the Lord. It is God-inspired. It is God's rhema word to you. And you take that home. And it's a seed of God. It's a word of the Lord. Maybe in a year, he'll come looking if that grew. Maybe in two years. And maybe the third year, he'll come back and, and look. Where's that seed? It's shriveled up. It's, it's dead. It's gone. What does he say? What is this tree doing? Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Young people, we have a responsibility. As earnest as the preacher wants to be and can be and and as hard as we try to preach in plain terms and and all of that when the seed lands in your heart it's really in your care and you need to and you need to take take care that you lose not that as the scripture says because god is a husbandman he comes checking out the fruit or the seed to see if it's growing into fruit Verse 2, notice, got ahead of myself there a little bit, but notice that the husbandman, what the father is looking for, he's looking for fruit. Every branch in me that, bear, in me that beareth not fruit, he, God, taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he, God, purges it. Well, this is good. This is a good fruit. There's three nice fruit here. And I'm going to just cut the branch off right here. And next year there'll be six there. Beautiful. Notice what happens to the branches that aren't bearing fruit. He taketh them away. Sobering. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 5 for an Old Testament picture here. Along the same lines. Isaiah chapter 5. And you know today that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, and if God so loved the world, how much does he love his church? How much does he love his people? God loves his people. And here in Isaiah chapter 5, God loved Israel. In fact, he loved her so much that he wrote a song about her here. And he sang about her. In, in Israel, you know, people do that. If they, they write love songs, they write about the person they love. And God does that too. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. Isaiah 5.1. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he, God, fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. 
the best seed he could find, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bear forth grapes. And look what happened. And it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. God says, let's reason together here. Judge me. He says, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? God is asking that question. What more could have I done for Israel? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And God makes a decision here. And now go to, and I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. And break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, and it shall not be pruned, nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. And I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry. What a sad picture here of Israel. What more could have God done? Everything was perfect. The stones were brought out. It was fertile soil. It was a fruitful hill. God's face was upon it. There was a hedge about it. There was a vine. There was a tower in the midst of it. A barn with all the tools and the equipment that was needed for pruning. To get the best crop ever. Everything was there. There was rain upon it. The weather was right. And God, the God of heaven, asked Israel, What more could have I have done? There was nothing. There was nothing more God could have done in order for them to grow good fruit. It wasn't God's problem. They didn't, they didn't take his grace. They didn't believe his promises. They murmured. They complained. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted the leeks and the garlics and all those things back there. And they didn't want to trust God. They didn't believe in God. God had totally, would totally keep them. Is that right? God would have kept them through that wilderness experience. God would have kept them. He would have met their needs if they would have just believed. But they didn't believe him. They complained and murmured. And so God said, well, if they don't want to believe me in my goodness, I'm going to just pull back my, my, my protection from them. And I'm going to let nature have its way with them. And it was utter destruction. And that is true in your and my life. We cannot bear fruit without the blessing of God. I know you know that. But listen, he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything. The problem is not with God. The problem is not with God. The problem is not the seed that God put in us. That should cause us to tremble. That's a very sad picture. He breaks down the walls. He stops the rain. He lets the wild beasts come in and eat everything up that's in there. He breaks down the wall, takes away the hedge, 
Everything is trodden underfoot. He lays it waste. He stops pruning it. He doesn't dig around and fertilize it anymore. I'm sure you know this, but anyone who is in such a state is in a very sad condition. Is that right? That, that, That no longer has the grace of God upon his life. And I don't know if there's anyone here like that today or not. I I would hope not. Well, let's look at a New Testament picture of this. this. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Very familiar words, but brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Talking about perfect conditions. Talking about everything, Christians having it as good as, as, they, as, as it can be. Listen to this. Why don't you all stand together? I see some are maybe struggling a little bit with sleepiness. Second Peter chapter 1. For the sake of time, let's, let's uh, break in in verse 3. Talking about perfect conditions. Well, let's go to verse 2. We're talking about, listen now, we're talking about multiplied grace. Do you need grace in your, in your life? Raise your hand. Here is multiplied grace. It's not just one. It's multiplied. Grace. Grace is uh, the, the power of God to do the will of God in your life. And it is the will of God for you to bear fruit. Grace, who wants peace? Raise your hand. Grace and peace be added. No. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. According as His, God's divine power, heavenly power, Hath given unto who? Us. All things. Well, I'm going to help you stay awake. I'm going to have you fill in words as we go through here. So when I hesitate, you fill it in. According as his divine power hath given unto us. That pertain unto life and godliness. Everything is there. Everything we need. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us and who are they given to? Amen. Exceeding great and precious promises that by these, by what? What? Precious promises and great promises. Ye might be of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And I believe that's a picture of those walls, those hedges. God has placed a wall around us, a hedge around us. We don't want him to break that down in your life. Having, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides all this, all these, these good and, and tremendous foundations for our lives. And, and that is what God did for us, what we just read. Now here comes our part. Here's where Israel failed. Besides that, do this. Giving all diligence. You know the original Greek word diligence where uh, uh, for diligence, where we get this word diligence from in the Greek is the word where we get our word speed from. Hasten. Speed. It's speedo or something like that is the Greek word for diligence. Give all speed. Add to your faith virtue. That means excellence. Perhaps some things that you were able to do before you came to Bible school, you won't be able to do afterwards. If God spoke to you, take heed. If God spoke to you about your language, 
convicted you about your language. When you go from this place, take heed unto your language. Amen? Because that is, in actuality, adding virtue to your faith. It's going after the excellent things, that byword that you were able maybe to use and not think much of before you came here, you can no longer use. It is God cleaning you up. It is God bearing fruit in your life. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge temperance. What's temperance? Another definition? Self-control. You need some of that? Add it too. God isn't going to do it. You do it. He gave you all the great and precious promises. You're inside the, the hedge. You're on fertile soil. You have the sunshine and rain of the Spirit. You discipline yourself. You gain self-control. You add that to your experience. You decide, you make the decision by the Spirit and by the power of God to add self-control into your life and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if you do these, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. There's that word. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that doesn't do these things. He that lacketh these things. Is blind. And cannot see afar off. And that's exactly what was wrong with Israel. They were, there was no judgment. They couldn't judge between right and wrong anymore. I'll let you sit down a little bit here. They were blind and couldn't see afar off and had forgotten that they were purged from his, from their old sins or us from our old sins. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things ye shall never fall. You may be seated. That's very, very important. Point number one, the importance of fruit bearing. <clears throat> number two, the source of fruit bearing. We can't do this on our own. I've already said that. Look in John 15. Go back there to our text. We can't do that of ourselves. But it's an important point to underline again. John 15. The source of fruit bearing. Just want to make sure you understand this. Verse 3. Now ye are clean. How? Through the word which I have spoken unto you. That is one powerful source in your life is the word. The word of God. Number two. Abide in me. That is a powerful Source of fruit bearing, abiding in Jesus, and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, say it with me, ye can do nothing. The source of fruit bearing. The word is the source, source, abiding him in him is the source, the power, the wherewithal that we bear fruit. Jesus said in John 15, 11, if you look down there, these things have I spoken, the word have I spoken unto you that your joy, that is a fruit that a Christian ought to have in his, have in his life. Amen. Joy. No one likes to see a sad Christian, a long-faced Christian, but we all like to, like to see a joyful Christian. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. 
John 16, 1, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. That's a fruit. Hopefully that we can take a little more and don't get offended quite so quick. And so that is a sign we're growing. And the way we grow is we remember the words of Jesus. And it keeps us from getting offended so quickly. John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. The source of of fruit bearing. I hope you are getting it. The source of fruit bearing is being in Christ and hearing him speak his words to us. Abiding in Christ, listen to this point, abiding in Christ is a work of faith. Don't wait till you, you, you think till everything is just right. It probably never will be. But abiding in Christ is a work of faith. A work of faith. Without faith, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Abiding in Christ is a work of faith. I hope you get that. A work of faith. Let me read you something from D.L. Moody on this point. I believe in a faith, quoting D.L. Moody, in a faith that you can see. A living, working faith that prompts to action. Faith without works is like a man putting all his money into the foundation of a house. It's all, it's, that's all, all he has. If there's no works. So abiding in Christ is a work of faith. And works without faith, the other way around, is like building a house on the sand without any foundation. You often hear people say, the root of the matter is in him. What would you say if I had a garden and nothing but roots in it? It would be a very nice garden. What roots are to the tree, faith is to the child of God. If we are to have eternal life, If we are to bear fruit, we must be rooted and grounded in Christ. So remember that. Abiding in Christ is a work of faith. I don't know if I made my points clear here. Number one, the importance of fruit bearing. Number two, the source of fruit bearing. And now number three. The maintenance of fruit bearing. Keeping our lives clean of stones and other things that hinder the plants to grow. You will remember that in that story of the vineyard in Isaiah, there that God removed the stones for that vineyard. And so I believe that if we don't remove the stones... We won't bear much fruit, if any at all. Our plants won't grow to maturity. So what are the stones that I'm thinking about? Well, it could be hidden sin. You're not going to prosper for sure if you have hidden sins in your life. It could be a hard heart. Just close the door of your heart. You've been hurt in the past and it's too hard and you just close your heart and, and your heart is being hardened and harder and harder. It could be a stone. It could be unforgiveness. It could be a grudge. Another form of unforgiveness. It could be worldliness, gossip, cares of this life, 
talked about that yesterday, finding the balance between the two worlds, working for the Lord, you know, integrating the, 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 the kingdom of God into our work. But maybe, maybe if we get so involved that the cares of life have totally choked out the kingdom work or the life of Christ, that is the stone. Weeds. Weeds of carelessness. The Holy Spirit is a gentle person. Don't grieve him. Don't be careless in meetings like this when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Respond to his still small voice and take care of whatever he's pointing at in your life. That's taking out the stones. That's maintaining. That's doing maintenance work, gardening work in your heart. None of us are perfect. None of us started off with a stone-free garden. I don't think so. So this is a process. As we grow, as God shows us things and says, I'm going to take this branch off. I want to take this branch off. No, 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 Lord. That's going to hurt too much. I won't, look that. I won't like that. I don't like that. I don't want to let that go. Don't be, don't be careless concerning what the Spirit of God is telling you. Foolishness. The carnal man does not the will of God. There's so much foolishness in our world today. And there's so much admonition, young people, in the Bible to be sober. Please, take this to heart. If you want to you know, know how to maintain a fruit-bearing life, you have to deal with this area of foolishness. For the most part, people in the world, they never really grow up. Their foolishness just is at a different, on a different level. It really is. So, take this matter of sobriety and soberness very serious. Practice it. Think about it before you come up to a group of young men and, and, and you think about it. Now, I'm going to try and be an example here of soberness, of sobriety. It doesn't mean you can't be joyful. You know I believe in joyful Christians and, and, and the joy of the Lord. But it means just to be foolish, lighthearted, foolish jesting. You give into that, it'll sap the life right out of your spiritual life. <clears throat> Am I right, older men back there? It is true. And I'm sure many of you know that. But I, I'm just impressed to make that a big point. If you can't stand up to a group of foolish young girls, then it's just all lighthearted and giddy stuff. If you can't stand up to it, walk away from it. And just let that be a message in itself. Why did she leave? It just may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. It should. That's okay. And you can even go, if you really want to grow, you can even go and ask her, so why did you walk away? Why didn't you stay in that conversation? I, I just, I can't handle it. I want to have my mind on things above. You know, on this lighthearted, giddy, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend type of conversations. I'm trying to walk a different path. That, I tell you, is maintaining your life for fruit-bearing. <clears throat> carnal ambitions, young men. Carnal ambitions. Lay your ambitions out on the table before the Lord. Would you do that? The things that you're dreaming about, things that you're striving for and you have ambitions for, Lay it out on the table and think about some of these scriptures and let the Lord show you, is this really pleasing to him? Maybe the carnal thing in itself is not wrong, but maybe your level of ambition is. This maintenance is empowered by God speaking to us through his word. 
by the Spirit to daily take care of our soul. This is daily maintenance. Check the oil pressure. Check the oil level. Make sure that everything is in place. Make sure that there's water in the radiator, that it don't overheat. That's what we do with our vehicles. What about our souls? You know, we're going on a trip. We want to make it road ready. Check the tires. Check the the air pressure. Brothers and sisters, we're on a trip, aren't we? We're on a journey. It's the journey of life. We want you to make it. We want you to get to the other end, to the destination, and hear those words, Well done, my son, my daughter. We do that for our cars. We do that to our houses. We have people coming. We, we get busy cleaning it up and getting it all ready for the occasion. Serving the Lord, bearing fruit is a big occasion. Are we doing what needs to be done? God's given us all things that we need, right? Everything we need. It's all there. Exceeding great and precious promises. Multiplied grace. None of us will be able to come to God and say, God, I couldn't do it because... Not a one. Not a one. Well, another area of gardening is fertilizing and watering. And it's not all just taking the bad stuff out. It's also putting a lot of good stuff in. Fertilizing and watering it. Jesus said, if my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So we have this, this, uh, this thing to do. It's, it kind of works the same way you, you water and fertilize a plant and have it in the right environment. It'll grow fruit. It, it usually does. And kind of the same thing is true in our lives. You water it, you fertilize it, and it will bear fruit. And part of what I just got done saying is part of that process. Job said, think of Job, Old Testament, how he considered God's word. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That's how important Job saw the word of God. And, you know, we all like Job. We look at him and we say, wow, how could he do it? God even said, wow. He said, Satan, look at this man. And in the end, I can just see God say, Satan, tell Satan, wow. Wow. What do you think? Wow. I would that God would say, wow, about us. Wow. Old Testament saint. You know, Job, he was, he, he, it was a long way off of Jesus as far as when Jesus was to come and the plan of salvation. But he said, I believe I'll see God. How's the verse go? It slips my mind. I know, maybe someone can help me out, that I shall stand before him in the last day. It's not coming to me. But, but uh, Job, Job, I, I think it was his... his uh, his love for the word that saw him through and his belief in the word. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I like this one. Jeremiah fifteen six says, thy words were found and I did eat them. And, that, and thy word was a rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. I am called by thy name and so are we. Christian, little Christ. Thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was the rejoicing of my heart. Paul told the Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And you know the rest of the, of the line. So we need the word. Hebrews tells us to suffer the word of exhortation. 
Hebrews tells us to exhort one another daily and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we should allow people to speak into our lives. We're talking about fertilizing and watering our lives so we can bear fruit. And these are all part of, this is all part of that. Do you open your heart up to others and say, you know, if you see something in my life, tell me, exhort me. And to daily seek someone out for a bit of fellowship. And prayer, praying, you won't bear fruit much or hardly, if any, if you don't pray. So you need to maintain a prayer life. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Not just now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. Praying with all prayer. Oh, God. Oh, God. I am tired of this sin. I'm tired of this struggle. Oh, God. I'm tired of a dry Christian life. Oh, God. And get a hold of the horns of the altar. Oh, God. That's supplication. Amen? Oh, God. Try praying like Elijah did. Put his head between his knees. He won't have a problem falling asleep in that position. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. And he, he, told, he told the king, it's going to rain with no cloud in sight. He had a big need. You try pr- praying like that and see what happens. Number four, the kind of fruit to bear. My, I'm not going to get done tonight. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You all know that. Those whose lives are adorned. I, I quote Adam Clark here. Just think about this. Those whose lives are adorned. Girls, you like to adorn yourself. Those whose lives are adorned by these virtues, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to turn there. Those whose lives are adorned by love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those whose lives are adorned by that, by these virtues, cannot be condemned by any law. Against such there is no law. Talking about no condemnation. Free. Before God. Here it is. Adorn your life with this kind of fruit, the kind of fruit you want to bear. Wouldn't that be a nice way to live life? No condemnation, no law against you. Because that's what the, that was the whole purpose and design of the moral law of God. And now it is fulfilled in those who have the spirit of God producing in their hearts and lives these fruits. Um, D.L. Moody said that among other things here, I I won't read the whole thing, but he said, if we only just brought forth the fruit of the Spirit, what a world would we have? People would have no desire to do evil. The lawyers would soon be bankrupt. Taxes would be down. And there would be no need of police. If all had the fruit of the Spirit. That's the first kind of fruit. I have sub sub points here. Point one, the fruit of the Spirit. Point two, the Peaceable fruit of righteousness. Righteousness. Now, it would be so nice if this fruit would come in its fullness at conversion. But it doesn't. And I can't go into all of it here to explain this, but but, uh, but do turn with me. I'm going to take a little time to Hebrews chapter 12. 
You know this verse. It's a verse about adults getting their spankings. I start it with the pruning shears and I end up with the paddle. Um, but there's a word in here I want to show here that you farmers especially really like. <clears throat> and it's in verse 11 of, cha- of chapter 12 of Hebrew. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth. You all like that word, yield, farmers? How much yield did you have in your crop? We talk about how many bushels. Well, here it's talking about yielding, if I may say, bushels of the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And... Like I said, it would be so nice if this automatically happens, but it doesn't. But whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth, and then we bear this fruit. And so there's a bit of a process and maybe some, a bit of pain and, and death. And you know the scripture about the grain of wheat that falls into the ground. Unless it dies, it's just one kernel. But let it die, then you have that word yield, bushels, much more. That happens when there's a bit of pain, death, cross, that kind of thing. Brings forth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Number three, the, patient, the, the precious fruit of patience. Being able to produce the fruit of waiting. Waiting, having to wait. That's a tough one. Wait. Wait broke the wagon down. We all know that. The precious fruit of patience. Being able to produce the fruit of waiting will indeed pay very rich dividends. I was going to go to Isaiah 40 there, but they that wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles, learning to wait. Precious fruit. The fruit of patience. Jesus said, in your patience, Possess ye your souls. Some of you are impatient in, with your Christian life. You, you give up because you say, I've heard people say, it doesn't work. I've tried it and it doesn't work. In your patience, possess ye your souls. Remember that. Okay? And the last one, fruit that remains. We want our lives and the lives of those we touch to last to the end. Jesus said, God is looking for fruit that remains. Long-standing fruit. Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer, said, Lord, of all these I have lost none except Judas. I kept them all. And I think that could go for things in our own life, our own life, and those that we minister to and perhaps help find the Lord. Cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Beware of giving up. Jesus said in Revelation 3, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast. Don't lose it. Hold that fast which thou hast. Fruit that remains. It's one thing for you to to be growing in the Lord and struggling with a sin. And that's one thing. It's another thing for you to have grown with the Lord and went on and fall back into an old sin. That can be a lot harder to get out, a lot more severe. So hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Love, love called charity in Corinthians there, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things. What's the next verse? Endureth all things. Are you going to be faithful to the end? That's a good question you ask yourself. Faithful to the end. Fruit that remains. That was one concern that the Apostle Paul 
had quite a bit that they hadn't bestowed labor on, on the people in vain. Which simply meant, I was among you preached, and you fell away, and we bestowed labor among you in vain. I hope for myself and all of us included that this week would not have been in vain. I trust it won't be. I really trust. But listen, we have our part to do. God gave us the good ground and, 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 and the, the, the vineyard, and he gave us everything we need. So we have our part to do. God bless you. <clears throat>